I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up? What up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh -huh. Rebel Radio is going down. Would you say Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I bring you the Rebels who are shaping our culture. I'm your host, Josh Levine. This week, I'm with David Nixod, uh, entrepreneur who's been successful across multiple industries, and he's got some great stories about leading with values, uh, bringing humanity into uh, the technology and business categories that often are lacking humanity and this idea of kind of leading with wisdom. He shows, shares a lot of personal stories about challenges he's experienced with mental health, physical health, all of the above, and um, it's a really great talk. David, if, if you're not familiar, uh, started out promoting parties in Washington, D.C. with folks like Josh Wink and Scott Henry, um, then moved uh, out to California and got involved with Y Combinator, where he invested in over 100 startups, including Airbnb, um, has been a very successful investor, and he's going to tell us about his new venture, uh, EI Ventures, which is launching plant-based pharmaceuticals, uh, essentially creating psychedelic medicine to treat mental health, among other things. Really fascinating stories. Um, I hope you'll like it. Let's get into it with David Nixod. Well, I'm excited to talk to you, um, firstly, awesome. because Susan recommended you and, and she always brings me great people. But, um, but it looks like you're into some really interesting stuff. And, and I, you know, I'm particularly interested in, um, in the move that you've made from uh, music and clubs and raves and, and, you know, that into startups and investing and all of that. And, uh, you know, my... My background, you know, I come from the music side of things. I was at Herb Magazine cool. for many years and uh, and sort of kind of grew up in, in the rave and club scene. And so I'm always interested in seeing how, you know, that culture goes on to influence the rest of the world, which I think it has in big ways. So I I, I definitely am. The, that music still pushes me pretty hard to today. Nice. Nice. Well, yeah. I'm excited to dig into it. How, um, I mean, let, let's start there. Uh, tell me about getting introduced to, uh, music, to raves and clubs and you're in DC, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I, uh, I grew up in DC. I was actually born in Seably hospital, uh, started going to the clubs probably when I was 15, 16 with my fake ID. Mm -hmm. Um, I was part of what I would call the, uh, at that time, it was Deep Dish and uh, Josh Wink and yep. Scott Henry and Feel Good and uh, Kiyoki. And 
you know, the scene had just started. It was, uh, it was, I mean, not to get into the, the aspect of talking about the drugs back then, but it was almost like we were, we were moving from cocaine to MDMA. Sure. And, uh, that was sort of the move into, you know, kind of the dance scene. I mean, I think MDMA as today, it's, it's a product that's going to be used for mental health. Uh, I think we were in a time, I remember growing up in DC uh, where I, I've had many deja vus relating HIV to the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that as I've been traveling uh, the country and even out of the country, uh, I remember walking the streets of DuPont Circle where people would look at each other and almost almost be like, oh, my God, you know, that person, you know, at that time, it was all about, you know, people being gay and almost, yeah. you know, thinking that, you know, they had some god awful disease that if they looked at you, you know, you'd get HIV. Sure. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually... I think it's very interesting that at that time, you know, MDMA became that product and the global dance scene to kind of that was a paradigm shift in the world. And mm -hmm. I think that uh, 20 plus years later, we're going through something like that again. Yeah, it's funny. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned HIV. I've, I've actually talked about it a little bit on the show that, you know, for those of us who are fortunate to to be old enough to have lived through that, right, that. Um, you know, there was a time when it was considered a pandemic. We, you know, on the news every night was like, this is going to bring down society or, you know, untold millions are going to die. And, and, um, you know, obviously terrible things did happen, but at the same time, it was just fueled by fear and hype and just kind of not knowing. And I think it was a lot of parallels to what we're going on with, with COVID, um, yep. of just, you know, not knowing. And, and so fear takes over. Yeah. I mean, I, I seen you know, a wise person said this to me the other day. It's interesting how this vaccine has been developed so quickly for COVID. And, right. you know, I don't believe to date there's a vaccine for HIV. And I just, uh, it's, it's always amazes me what goes into people's awareness as things happen in society. Um, you know, listen, I'm in Florida and you would think with uh, the level of wealth here, it's hard to believe. I, I came from Hawaii where people are sleeping in tents mm -hmm. and children are sleeping in tents because the locals, you know, the whole islands have been shut down for all of 2020. And then you come here and there's there's probably 100 Rolls Royces in a half mile vicinity. So. I mean, I have a lot. I have a lot of empathy to where we are today. It, it's confusing for me. I mean, I've been very blessed in my life, but uh, we need to figure out as a society how we can take care of one another. That's that's my biggest awareness. These uh, coming into twenty twenty one. Absolutely. So so back to those beginnings. So you started out as a promoter, right? Yeah, I um, was a promoter. Uh, <laughs> do you remember your first show that you promoted? Uh, yes, I, I think, uh, it was in the vault. So there was a nightclub next to fifth column on ninth and F. And I think we had, I think we actually had Kiyoki playing that night. Nice. And, uh, I think I remember that because we, we did a whole after party experience with him. And I would say that, uh, you know, we were a wild bunch of, uh, 17, 18 year old kids back then. Yeah. What, um, so was there a moment when you realized then that that was your, that was your business? Like, yeah, I, I, I definitely, you know, I left home at an early age and I came from a more well-to-do family in the Washington DC area, but at the same token, uh, I did not want to, I, I did not want to be, guided by money or controlled by money so i needed to make money mm -hmm. and you know being a promoter and throwing raves and uh you know bringing djs to these clubs it became a way for me to make money and through that process i was also treating my own mental illness that i had and 
I didn't even realize it. Mm. Um, so uh, sort of what has brought me to where I am today. I mean, at that time, it was a plethora of, you know, MDMA, cannabis and alcohol uh, to keep myself sort of neutralized. And sure. at that at that time, even, you know, people that had Asperger's and autism, uh, you know, give give you some riddle and you'll be fine. And that was, you know, that's that's where it started for me in junior high was being prescribed, you know, Ritalin and other products. Mm. Wow. So interesting. You know, I think about um, I mean, you know, mental health is such a um, such a big topic today. Right. And it, it's it's on the news. It's on the, the Web, you know, every single day. And, and we talk about, you know, youth and mental health. We talk about, you know, all of this. And as you said, you know. I think at that time, no, none of us was aware of it, right? It wasn't, it wasn't a thing. Like I know, you know, for myself and my friends, I couldn't even tell you if any of us had, were going through mental health challenges at the time. Cause, cause we wouldn't have known, you know, we didn't have a language for it. We didn't have a, it wasn't okay to talk about or to, to even think about, right? Like I never, you know, in my twenties, I never stopped to think like, am I doing okay? Am I, you know? you just kind of get up and, and go with it every day. And it, and it's interesting that, you know, I think until you are allowed to have those conversations, you can't start to talk about solutions. Um, and I know you're, yeah, you know, and you're I, working and, on solutions. Yeah, and so. I, we, we are working on solutions. And I, and I also think it's, it's the habit loops that are given. I think, you know, again, I don't know how old you are. I'm, I'm 44 years old. Uh, at, at that time, I don't know if we really understood, you know, how to eat or what was good for us. And, um, you know, I feel like I, we were in that generation where it, it was it was between like Woodstock and those days and then this new generation of like indigo children. We were in this kind of like middle phase of it all. Yeah. And uh yeah, just not sure. I, I don't know if anybody knew. Uh, I mean, when I look back, I understand we were definitely being uh, monetized with products and things that people didn't know what they did. You know, people didn't know what they do to you long term. Mm -hmm. We didn't realize what sugar does. I mean, when I really look at what I do today and, you know, why possibly certain certain things are going on with my body it could be because of you know processed foods and sugars that my parents took sure um so hey uh, people are still drinking soda today <laughs> you know yeah absolutely i want to let you know about a new series we've created called trade secrets which is live on the stereo app uh it's live conversations between me and friends who are at the top of their game and we're offering live coaching and mentoring. Um, you can get in, ask questions, share insights, or just listen to smart people tell you what you can do to achieve your goals. Uh, in our first week, we had Clint Schaaf from the LA Times, Laura Robbins, who's host the Only One in the Room podcast, Chris Denson, the host of Innovation Crush podcast, um, and got some really great insights there. They're short talks. Um, and we encourage you to, to get involved with us, um, but we're getting great insights out of that stuff. Laura shared a, a story about hiring an expert to help her grow her podcast, and she got some amazing results uh, kind of beyond her expectations, and she tells us what she did differently uh, with in this particular case than what she's done in the past and how that affected her results. So I hope you'll join us. Uh, these talks are live exclusively in the Stereo app, it's stereo.com slash rebel radio net to follow along. Uh, we'll be having multiple talks every week, so you can join whenever your schedule allows. And we'd love to have you stereo.com slash rebel radio net. Um, so tell me about the decision to leave promoting. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the decision to leave promoting really came down to the fact that uh, in my business world, I did really, really well, but it was the element of actually having an overdose one night mm. 
So uh, I had a pretty bad overdose on cocaine, uh, probably should have died that night. And, uh, you know, I remember sitting there just telling myself, if I get out of this, you know, I know that I have to have a life change. Mm -hmm. And in that process of coming out of that, I understood something was wrong with me and my life needed to change. And within uh, within six months of having that, you know, almost near death experience, I was on a flight to California. And basically I, I shut down everything at, at that time. You know, we were having parties everywhere. I was mm -hmm. involved with parties in Baltimore, D.C. Uh, you know, we were even sending people to do parties in Florida, hanging out. I remember we were hanging out with Junior Vasquez at the tunnel. I mean, it was it, it was a wild time. Sure, sure. Um, so so what happens the next day? You wake up or you come out of that that experience yeah. and you, you realize that you need to make a change. But what does that look like on, on sort of day one? Uh, like, did you know what day, you were going to do next? Um, no, I didn't know what I was going to do next. I, I had a, I had a certain amount of money that I had. I'm surprised I didn't blow it all on, you know, champagne and clothes, mm -hmm. but, uh, had a certain amount of money when and actually hid, uh, for about six months in Maryland. So, mm -hmm. I was, I was like 18, 19 years old. I went in, uh, you know, basically hid in Maryland for six months, didn't come out of the house, like went through this whole metamorphosis of saying, okay, my life has to change. This is not going to work. Uh, and, you know, basically, again, I always, I came from a family that had really good work ethic, basically packed up my bags, flew to California and, uh, really started getting this element of what Los Angeles and this idea of what Silicon Valley was. Mm. And through meeting people and uh, having family in California, uh, this whole new world opened up to me. I can remember flying into LAX and renting a car uh, and being on PCH. And I was like, wow, this is, a you know, uh, you know, we had to drive five hours to get to the ocean. Right. Yeah, it 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 changes everything. People, uh, it, it's easy to misunderstand Los Angeles. Totally. So I was a, I was a kid in a candy store. I I understood business. I was I was I would say I was a hustler, and just started doing deals. Uh, started investing in things, started getting into technology, started getting into entrepreneurship and, uh, you know, a lot of made a lot of money in, along the way, but also had my fair share of failures. So, and when, so thinking about that, you know, you, uh, sound like, you know, you had some great experience and you had a lot of enthusiasm and just, as you said, the hustle to just kind of jump in. Is there anything you wish that you had known at that time as you as you transition careers and start a new business? Yeah, I wish I would have actually dealt with what was wrong with me. I mm. wish I would have really uh, taken the time to actually, I, my truth is I wish that, uh, yeah, I wish meditation and yoga and there was a, uh, there were, there were places that were, there were things that are available now that weren't available then. Yeah. I, I felt very lost. I, um, I continued to go back to the doctor and the doctor at that time, I remember it went from being on Adderall that when I got to California, they put me on Lexapro and, you know, just understanding the fact that, uh, you know, a product like Lexapro is a disassociate and it's going to make you feel, it, it, you know, I, I knew that wasn't great for me either. So mm -hmm. I, I think that when I look back on everything that I went through, I, I our company is called EI and EI means emotional intelligence. If I could go back in time, I wish somebody would have taught me the course emotional intelligence sure. because 
I'm still learning that at 44. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we're, I think that we're learning for life, right? Yeah, totally. Um, so what about the other side of it? What, what did you learn as a promoter that you've used uh, in your approach to business since then? Um, you know, we always, as a promoter, you always think about how do you spend a dollar to make $10? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, in the rave and in techno and techno scene, it was about how do you, how do you bring a great DJ and have a venue and an experience? And I think that if I were to look at who I am today and what I do really well is I, I understand how to get deals done, but I also understand how to provide an experience. Mm. Um, and I think that, yeah, with anything that I've been involved with, um, I'm able to have a big vision. Like I can remember throwing a party in the fifth column and having a couple thousand people come. And at that time, you know, the idea of a laser light show and, you know, dancers and everything else. I mean, it's, it's not a big deal now when you look at right. ultra and these big parties, but back then it was, you know, that, that was a big thing. Yeah. So, uh, putting, putting that all together, I do that now with business. I'm able to wireframe deals together and be able to provide an experience. So and, give me an example uh, yeah. of, of what that looks like now. Um, you know, with, with our parent company orthogonal so ei is owned by a wholly owned subsidiary orthogonal thinker and you know we had a vision or i had a vision when i started that that i was going to create a holding company that would invest in things that uh, would not monetize human suffering they would help humans they would put money into great companies and we would work on things and uh, technologies that were about health and consciousness and longevity. And if you look today on, you know, right now there's a big craze of people having, doing SPACs, you know, and a SPAC yeah. is a way to, you know, have almost like a fund that goes out and, you know, buys or puts all these companies into a vehicle that then can trade trade on a, on a public market. And, you know, the idea of creating this like holding company that was like Berkshire Hathaway, but instead of seize candies or Coca-Cola, we invest in, you know, juice and kombucha and Ayurvedic medicine. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think people really when we when I started down the road of doing this in 2010 2009 people thought we were absolutely crazy hmm. they said you know you're gonna have an Ayurvedic clinic and you're gonna work on products that you know don't have processed foods and medicines that are made out of botanicals yeah that's what we're gonna do we're, we're not gonna poison people yeah. so um you know, 10 years later, you know, Orthogonal is now a company that's very valuable. We've now spun out this entity called EI Ventures, which controls all of our medicines. We have a total of 70 different botanical medicines that we control, mm. uh, nootropics, psychoactive materials, products in the CBD and cannabis space that we haven't even really monetized. But really understanding that in the next 10 years, botanical medicines are going to go down the line of what synthetic pharmaceutical medicines have. And, you know, we hope to be the first company. It's not even hope. We are certain we will be the first company to have botanical APIs that uh, people that go to a psychiatrist or go to a doctor can be prescribed. Um, I think a lot of people don't understand that botanical medicines in the U.S., they're non-existent. Mm -hmm. what, you, what you get prescribed today is something that is man-made or lab-made. Right. And this is why for the last 10 years, I've been trying to say uh, eating fake meat 
are drinking milk. You know, I'm not a milk drinker, but let's go back to the land. Mm. Let's go back to the wisdom of Earth. And, you know, I, I appreciate going to space and I appreciate the electric car. But, you know, you are what you eat. Food is medicine. Yeah. And uh, I think we need to, if anything that COVID has taught us is that our nervous systems and our immune systems, they need to be rebooted and rebirthed. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so I've, I've read a little bit about, um, you know, psychedelics as, as medicine. And, and I think, you know, in particular, some of the challenges of developing products in an environment where it's not legal. Yeah. Um, are and I, 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 there was one company I read about that's moved to Switzerland, right? Where, where there's some <laughs> le- legality there to, um, to move a little bit more freely. Right. So how are you navigating that? You know, we're navigating it with a lot of lawyers, with a lot of experts in the FDA yeah. and following the letter of the law. Um, we are in a position now where, you know, like most companies, we are raising, large amounts of money to Mm -hmm. be able to vertically integrate ourselves like uh, the pharmaceutical companies. Uh, You know, I talked to a big pharmaceutical executive a couple weeks ago. Uh, They're sort of laughing at us. They think that, you know, when when you look at these 300 psychedelic companies that have gone public and people are promising that these products are going to be FDA available in the next three to five years. That's not real. Right. It's going to be a very, very long time. But, you know, what we do really well as a company is we have longitudinal capabilities. We understand that to build real companies it takes a while mm-hmm. and it's not only about raising a lot of money, but how you steward that money and, you know, just the way uh, the people that you bring on the journey, how you steward the money, making sure you have a long-term plan. I actually believe that many of the psychedelic companies that have gone public are, are, you know, that have started are not going to be around in the next couple of years. Unfortunately, sure. psychedelics will take the same sort of turn that cannabis did. And just like the companies that were involved in the cannabis sector, uh, you, you have to go slow. Mm-hmm. Nothing great gets built overnight. I mean, that's such a great statement. And, you know, for someone who's, um, you know, been involved in Silicon Valley and, and, and invested in, in, you know, many successful startups, uh, that almost feels like the opposite of the, of the, uh, the vibe and energy of Silicon Valley. Um, how, how do you, how do you, you know, how, how do you reconcile that? What is, what is it? Not simple. So what is it that, <laughs> you know, that, I, you know, that a lot of investors and entrepreneurs don't? Well, what I do know is I've, I've been through enough cycles in life to understand that uh, things go up and things go down. And, you know, I can remember 2008 where things collapsed and fell apart. Um, do I believe there's a lot of uh, money in the system right now? I read the other day that there's $2 trillion worth of investment capital throughout the world. There's a lot of wealth in the world, Mm -hmm. but at the same token, just like I'm sitting here in Florida and uh, I've already counted 100 Rolls Royces within the last 24 hours, uh, I also know that uh, you have to have a bedrock behind whatever you build. Um, We often talk about building companies like a skyscraper. It takes a very long time for you to design a skyscraper Mm. because every piece has to be correct and you don't want it to, you know, have a fracture where something will happen. Um, You know, there's been uh, enough buildings that have been built that all of a sudden have an, an issue with them. So really getting the pieces right are very important. So I think 
if if my 44 year old self was to say to something to uh, these new 20 and 30 year old fund managers that I speak with these days is, uh, yeah, don't take it so seriously, but remember that there's going to be good times and bad times and uh, to take it slow. Um, I find with all the liquidity in today's market with Bitcoin and everything else, uh, the idea of working hard and also uh, instant gratification today sure. is is you got to have wisdom before power. Yeah. Um, so I, as I go around in this kind of circle, I, I think too much of us think that power is money and this idea of wisdom and emotional intelligence is going to be really important as we go through these different you know, life cycles. Let's be honest. COVID is not at the end of where we're at right now. Right. Uh, when I talk to most <clears throat> professionals in the medical industry, uh, they actually think COVID's going to be around for the next five years. Sure. So uh, we need to be prepared for this. Well, I think that's realistic. And again, if you talk about HIV, you know, HIV is not gone. Right. And as you said, there's no vaccine. You know, what I find interesting uh, is the single minded focus on a vaccine, um, which we are, which, you know, we know or we should know isn't going to be 100 percent effective and isn't, uh, you know, is not going to all of a sudden just eradicate COVID completely. Um, and it seems like all of the discussion is about a vaccine. It's not about a treatment like there is for HIV. It's not about, you know, other possible solutions. Um, How about which, being a healthier society? <laughs> sure. Sure. I mean, obviously, COVID has has uh, has exposed a lot of the cracks in our healthcare system and our food system and our, you know, education, like all of all the underlying infrastructure problems that we have, um, which are uh, maybe harder to address than rushing out a vaccine that hopefully puts uh, investors' minds at ease so the economic engine can keep going. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, it's uh, the economic engine is, is, is not always the best uh, sure. derivative to work off of. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think we've seen that. And, and you know, Silicon Valley certainly had this promise of like a uh, more egalitarian culture and, and uh, you know, and I, I think we've seen a lot of the dark side of that come to light recently. Um, and so it's it's interesting, you know, to to see that balance, right? Because at the same time, you know, uh, in terms of what you talk about is, you know, plants as medicine, food as medicine, um, alternative approaches to health and wellness, right? That a lot of that is coming from Silicon Valley. And it's it's a, you know, there's there's a sort of weird dichotomy there um i think the dark secret that nobody wants to talk about in silicon valley is that there's a lot of unhappy people sure and just because you're a multi-millionaire or billionaire it doesn't mean that all problems are solved with cash uh that was my takeaway doing business in silicon valley for a long time mm. it's what led me to move to Hawaii. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, those are the dirty little secrets that uh, are now coming to light. So, you know, there's there's another myth of Silicon Valley or Hollywood uh, or Wall Street that you have to be there to be in it, right? Uh, and so talk about moving to Hawaii and getting out of that environment. Like, how does that change your ability to do business? You know, right now I'm debating moving off the Hawaiian Islands because of COVID and mm -hmm. the level of, uh, you know, the level of lockdown that we've had. It's been definitely very difficult. Yeah. Um, I mean, going to Hawaii for me has was one of the greatest things in the world because I got to actually hear my thoughts again mm -hmm. and actually work on this project and engulf myself with you know, permaculture and uh, everything, just understanding how, you know, 
where food comes from. How does a seed start? What kind of energy do you put in that seed for it to become something that you put in your body? I compare where I am today to almost like uh, a high schooler going to university. Um, in a weird way right now, my life is changing because I know that what I'm doing now, I can't do in Hawaii. Mm. I'm going to have to leave Hawaii and go and now spread this information to the masses. Um, I will. Hawaii will always be somewhere that I cherish and love. It's something that is, you know, uh, it, it has done wonders for who I am as a person. But I also understand that I need to take my knowledge and my wisdom and spread it to others. You see, you seem like someone who adapts to change pretty readily. Is that, is that slowly? I okay. mean, it's, 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 uh, I love my life in Hawaii, but I also, I saw what, what COVID did to Hawaii mm -hmm. and to make sure that that doesn't happen again, I need to go out there and take what I had learned from the kahunas and the shamans and the farmers and now go to the center stage and say, hey, guys, no, 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 no. You, eating this fake meat burger, that's actually going to have you develop some other form of cancer. Yeah. It's not about that. Right. We need to be, when we talk about plant medicine and plant food, we're talking about non-synthetic, non-processed products. And I think that what we've done again is we fooled everybody. Mm -hmm. We told everybody meat is bad. Sure. Meat is not bad. I, I, I eat limited amounts of meat in my diet, mm -hmm. but with, with anything else, it's the energy that you put into things. And there's some people that have to eat meat, you know, people that are nemics or people that uh, have iron deficiency, but to substitute things based on something lab grown or synthetic, uh, I can tell you what it's done in the pharmaceutical world uh, is gotten people addicted to a lot of products and has had a lot of side effects long term. Sure. So you have all these products in development, um, uh, you know, for, for mental health, for physical health. Um, what does the world look like that you're working toward? I call it the new standard of pharma with an F. Mm. Uh, you know what I get from most people I talk to? I get about, you know, 500 to 1,000 messages a day through all these different networks and the one thing that stands out to me every day is trust. Nobody trusts anybody anymore. Sure. It's, it's, you know, you talk about, you know, you have these companies that we use every day, whether they're on our cell phones or, uh, you know, why are the products made in China? Why is there little kids in countries making, you know, a dollar an hour? working on this stuff yeah uh it it's yeah when i when i think about trust and transparency uh people are looking for that mm. i i get that every day probably a hundred times a day uh i would ask you do you have a company that you trust do you have do you believe that everything you touch and feel and put in your body and and that radiates with you on a frequency level. Do you, do you trust all those companies? Um, you know, I think the short answer is no. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, and I, and I've been, um, I've been very active about, you know, my health and what I put in my body for, uh, you know, 20 plus years. You know, I got involved in yoga and meditation early and, and, you know, gave up junk food pretty early in my life. And, um, you know, I've stopped drinking off and on throughout my life and, and that, um, and, you know, and I think what I've learned is like, there's a lot of really good marketers out there. Um, and especially in this sort of like 
nutraceutical. There's a lot of pseudoscience that, you know, <laughs> sounds great and looks looks really cool. And, you know, we've gone from, you know, I shopped at Erewhon when there was sawdust on the floor. And now it's like this palace of organic, uh, you know, overpriced, you know, uh, uh, goods that who, who knows what they really do for you or not. Um, we sell our products at Air One. Oh, I'm not. I'm not products. anti Air One. I love it there. No, 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 no. I'm just saying, it, it, the beautiful part about it is one percent of the products in the grocery stores are are actually really good for you. Sure, and that's the sad part about it. But I think you know. I think as a, you know, I think as someone who's made a choice to be an informed consumer, it doesn't get any easier, right? And yes. you know, you have folks, you know not to pick on anyone, but yeah, folks like, you know, I always, I, I do pick on like Bulletproof Coffee, right? Who's, um, has, who, yeah, who has amazing branding and really cool arguments about how, you know, adding butter and fat to your coffee and taking mold out and is going to change your health for the better. And the reality is who, you know, who knows? It's, it seems really doubtful that he knows whether what he's saying is, is true or not. And maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Um, but, but it's too easy to, you know, throw up a website and some social posts and, and look like, you know, what you're talking about. Um, and so, no, I, I think, you know, I think in general, we've eroded trust in society, trust in the government, trust in business, trust in each other in many ways. I mean, I think we're seeing that in the last year, right. And certainly a pandemic, this, as you said, you walk down the street and you're, you know, you, you cross you cross the road because you don't trust that somebody is is safe to be around, right? Uh, and maybe they yeah. are, maybe they're not, and, and, but we don't know. Um, and so, you know, I think I I'm curious how you think we get that back, or I, I don't know if "back" is even the right word, but but how do we get from where we are to a a world that's based on more trust than it is today? I mean, I think this is where I go back to just like you, I've spent the last 20 years working on myself. Um, you know, I, I, I live every day being a perpetual beginner. Mm. And I think that the great part about technology and the great part about where we are today is, you know, I met through I met Susan through Upwork. Susan introduced us to you. Uh, you know, the definition of orthogonal is this idea of like dumb luck or serendipity. Mm -hmm. So I have to believe that, you know, I always go back to the theory of like critical mass. Uh, I do believe that when, you know, things burn down, even in California, when you have these fires, things are going to regrow, things sure. are going to rebirth. I will tell you as somebody that you know, can buy into this idea, you know, an asteroid is going to hit Earth. How about we just how about we just live today and understand, like, let's take care of the planet. Let's yeah. take care of where we are today. Let's be good human beings. Let's not be such a divided group of individuals. And I think that, you know, and I'll be totally candid with you, we, we've developed a product that we want to give a billion people. Mm. We've developed a product that opens up your neural pathways, takes you back to this idea of first attention as a child and gets rid of this fear or numbness that has taken place. And I think that what we need to do as a society is, yeah, come together, stop monetizing one another help each other if you see somebody fall down on their bike on the road stop and help them sure um you know my my word of uh last decade which is coming into this decade is empathy we're creating products that have empathy so when you take them you feel this frequency of empathy so for me I'm going to invest in companies and I'm going to do business with people just like I do business with Susan. And now you're my new friend. It's, it's, we all know who, you know, we all bleed the same. We all feel each other. Yeah. For me, it's empathy. Yeah. 
Um, what does that look like in the context of running a business? How do you how do you practice empathy as a as a leader? I think one of the first ways is with the people around you that are watching you and the decisions that you make. Um, I do believe that decisions that are made by leaders, even the ones around us today, are not always the best. Mm -hmm. I feel like as leaders, you need to make decisions with your heart, make the right decision, know when things are right or wrong. I believe today with technology and social media that if you do make the right decision, it will vibrate loud enough to society where people will support you. Um, I don't get into politics. I don't want to get into like what's been going on with all types of things. But what I will tell you is you're, you're watching the frequency of the world vibrate at a certain tone. Sure. People are tired. People want to see a change. Do I believe in violence? Absolutely not. But we are, we are in store for a bit of a revolution. And it's not a revolution of violence or, you know, hurting one another. It's a revolution of change. Mm. And what I do believe, and I'll, I'll, I relate a lot of things to my children. My children are seven and nine. What I do know is that there's a group of children that are coming up in the world now that are a lot different than who we all are. And I do believe in this group of children. I do believe in this idea of these indigo children and these children that are going to make massive changes. Mm. Um, you know, it's you got to be a believer. You got to have faith. The glass is not half empty. It's it's actually pretty full. What what do you do uh, when your faith gets tested? What are your what are your tools that you Drawing. Oh man, my faith's gotten tested a lot this last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, I do the best to to remember not to go to things that are not good for me. I journal a lot. Mm -hmm. I've I've journaled every day for probably the last twenty years. Wow. Um, I I I really listen to my thoughts. For me, water is therapy. I love to surf. I love to get in the ocean. So, yeah, I think relating back to our business, it's it's when I get tested, it's giving people tools. And that's really what we're trying to do with EI is give people tools that when they get tested, they can go tap into these tools. And, you know, for me, it's it's. There's no magic pill. There's there's no yoga session that's going to make it better. Yeah. Um, it's it's tapping into a variety of things. I mean, I don't know you very well, but you know, looking at you and hearing you, I'm sure you have your own toolbox of things. Yeah. Not, yes. It is about having tools in in your arsenal that one may help a little bit in this moment, another may help a little bit in a different moment. And it's this cumulative process um, that, you know, ends up making a difference. What we have to do as a society is not empower things that like alcohol and pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. Do I like to have a good glass of wine every once in a while? Absolutely, I sure. do. But the idea of going to a liquor store or a supermarket and uh, having these this selection of of getting drunk, uh, going to a Walgreens or CVS, which I have to say they've made some good changes in the products they mm. they sell. But you you know that fifty million Americans take some type of a PM sleeping medicine every evening. Yeah, that's a that's a scary thought. There there's only three hundred million Americans, and, and fifty million of them are taking some type of a over-the-counter sleep product that has side effects like brain cancer. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and kind of to relate it back to, uh, you know, your beginnings in the rave scene, right? It's it's the difference between going and having, you know, having an amazing time. And there might be 
pharmaceuticals involved that help facilitate that. And then there's the people that rely on that and, and, you know, they can't function without it. Um, or they, right. And, and they, you know, abusing that. And that's, um, you know, that's sometimes a, a tough line for people to find. I'll tell you a little secret in our company and, uh, my formulator and I talk about this all the time. We're actually not total advocates of psychedelics. Mm. We, we, we believe psychedelics are, are one cog in the wheel, but like what, what we're most excited about is creating uh, products and tools for opioid addiction and taking people off of synthetic drugs for that they use for, let's say intimacy issues or for, you know, many other things and actually giving them botanical versions of these products. Mm. Uh, a world of psychedelics of people, you know, uh, having constant entourage effects or hallucinations, it's not going to solve anything. Right. It's do I believe in psychedelics? I will tell you, psychedelics changed my life, but uh, I definitely don't ever want anybody to use those products as a crutch. Sure. So for people that uh, want to, you know, experience what's uh, what's available now, what what are the what do you have in market? Currently, we don't have any of our psychedelic products in to market. Okay. You know, we are hopeful that in the next hopeful that in the next two years, our products will be available in states or countries that, uh, you know, will have uh, therapeutic remedies where you can actually put these products to market. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a line of nutraceuticals that are going to be coming to market in the next couple months. They are called, uh, the, the product name is called Mana, and Mana in Hawaii in, in Polynesian means energy. Mm -hmm. So there are Mana health products. Uh, what I will tell you is we have three rolling out. The beautiful part about our products is they're 100% botanical. Uh, anything we give you is non-synthetic. They are not isolates. Nice. Uh you know, just to explain that quickly, an isolate is uh, creating mango juice with something else other than mangoes. Mm -hmm. So anything that we put in our products are actually whole plant. Uh, and I think a lot of people don't understand that. Cool. Um, and so what about for, you know, entrepreneurs, people raising money for their businesses? Um, what can you teach us about how to do that well? Uh, believe in yourself, hmm. invest in yourself. Uh, uh, I will tell you that the best, the best t-shirt that I ever saw was, I think it was this, uh, this guy, one of the founders of 500 startups I, in back in 2009, it said, invest in your fucking self. Uh, yes. Invest in your fucking self without the F. So, uh, self-love is so important. And if you believe in something as crazy as it is, go for it. Mm -hmm. You get, you get one life, you get one opportunity. I mean, I look at Kobe Bryant, uh, I look at, you know, different people that have, you know, passed specifically in the last 12 months. You just never know. Sure. Yeah, that, that's great advice. Um, Cool. Well, I got to do a little lightning round before I let you go. Yep. Uh, so what's your favorite city to travel to? Favorite city? Uh, I, I love Kauai. Me too. That's, that's my favorite island. Yeah. Um, Hanalei. So I would say the, the city of Hanalei in Kauai. Nice. Who's your favorite DJ? Right now, I'm really digging on Above and Beyond. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. Um, what's the last great book you've read? Oh my gosh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I'm probably gonna say every, you know, I'll tell you the the one book that I consistently go back to all the time is uh, the Four Agreements. Mm -hmm. I I probably read a chapter of it every week. Oh wow. Nice. 
Yeah, it's a great book. Yep. Um, what movie do you think you've seen the most in your life? It's complicated. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know if I've seen that. It's a really good movie. I think it just it 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 is uh it's it's one of those movies that you know nothing is really real in the world anymore and the idea of a movie that uh actually gives you a number of stories of life that are really taking place amongst all of us whether it's divorce or you know many other things it's it's i appreciate movies like that i'm kind of an 80s and 90s uh, movie junkie sure yeah me too um who's somebody you haven't met that's taught you the most you know someone that i that i that i really want to meet and again i know that it's not always run easy running a business and you have shareholders as the founder of patagonia mm. i think that when i see uh you know i would say as a ceo myself you know you try to get it right 99% of the time and you're going to get it wrong at least 1%. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I think he's consistently gotten it right. Yeah. And he's somebody that is authentic to who he is. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great example. Um, and I think, you know, what, what I, what I respect about that is, is, um, you know, you can just go buy a Patagonia T-shirt or a jacket and not know anything about what the company stands for, and it's a, you know, it's a fine product, right? Um, but you, but then there's all this story and meaning behind it, which for people that you know know about that and care, then that's a, you know, that adds a, an entirely new dimension. I had a lot of respect when they said they were going to get into the secondhand clothing market. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Um, so last question, if I worked for you, what's something I would hear you say over and over? What do I say a lot? Uh, wisdom over power. That's good. That's a, that's a consistent mantra in the company. Yeah. I rather have more wisdom than power. Nice. I love it. Um, and cool. And so, um, how should everyone follow along with, with what you're doing? Uh, we right now, ei.ventures, if you sign up, we're sending out updates all the time of what, what's going on. Probably the best place to follow me is on LinkedIn. I would say that, uh, I post a lot there, maybe nice. too much, um, under David, yeah, under David Nick's ad. Um, my email address is david at ei.ventures. Uh, I'm, I'm probably doing myself a little bit of a disservice because I get a lot of messages, but I will tell you that I actually reply to every message that is high vibe and uh, empowering. Wow. And uh, yeah, I consistently reply to two to 500 messages a day. How, how, how do you do that? I take the time I read, I take an hour every day mm. and I, you know, some days it's difficult, but there's a lot of people giving me really good feedback on what we are doing. And, uh, I, I need it. Mm -hmm. I, I know you want to know what keeps me going every day. It are those messages. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, I think it's so easy to, to just think of email as a burden um, right. And that's, no. the, people love to complain about getting too much email and, you know, some of it's junk, but, but a lot of it is people that want to connect or want to share what they're doing or want to learn from you. And, you know, that's, uh, we shouldn't take that for granted. We, in, in Hawaii, our favorite pastime is talking story. Mm. And, and if, and if you send me a story via email and, Again, you know, I, I, if you take the time, I'm going to take the time to read it. And maybe it's not a long response, but uh, I feel everything. Yeah. Very cool. Well, David, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate you, Really uh, great meeting you. Sharing these stories with us. Can't wait to see what's next. Hopefully, you know. Aloha, my friend. Thanks so much. 
And I was David Nix out on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Uh, make sure you leave us a comment. Hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, wherever you like. We're at Rebel Radio Net. We have videos of a lot of our episodes on our YouTube channel. And most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Join us this week in the Stereo app for live coaching and mentoring with our new series, Trade Secrets. I got really smart people lined up to tell you how they're doing what they're doing and what you can do to do what you do. Um, It's my way of uh, giving back what we've learned and... I hope you'll join us. Stereo.com slash rebel radio net. That's stereo.com slash rebel radio net. <laughs>